So when I think about the library in the future, I want us to be that center for building relationships, building that sense of community, that sense of profit. You're listening to the Not Yet Podcast, a bi-weekly show exploring the relationship between creativity and spirituality. I'm your host, Paige Polk, an Emmy-winning experience director, helping you honor the dreams you have for yourself and your community. To access the full Not Yet Community Healing Project, including our live events and other intentional living resources, join our Patreon at notyetseries.com. Now let's start the show. Hey, hey, before we jump into the final podcast episode of the summer 2023 season, I have a bit of a church announcement moment for you. It is the end of summer and we're bidding farewell to the brazen heat. And with this seasonal change, not yet is also going into hibernation. But what does that mean? It means that I'll be freezing content on the not yet platforms through December, 2023. So that means the Instagram, the podcast, and the not yet Patreon. Though we are temporarily inactive, these digital spaces will remain open so you can revisit any and all of our recorded episodes and enjoy the work that we've built thus far. But now is time for a serious rest. I have shared the process and the why behind this transition throughout the summer. And the main reason being that I'm rethinking the sustainability of the Not Yet Project. I want to continue helping you heal your relationship with self, community, and the land. And nothing brings clarity like rest. However, if you would like to support with a financial contribution during this reset, I will welcome it gladly. You can join the Not Yet Patreon or make a one-time donation if that strikes your fancy, and you will resource this practice around agency, the creative process, and well-being. You can check out the show notes for links to join the Patreon and make a one-time donation, or you can just visit notyetseries.com. All right, let's jump into this podcast episode with Tammy Baggett Best. Welcome back to the Not Yet Podcast, where we are bridging the connection between creativity and spirituality. And I'm here with a new guest named Tammy Baggett Best. Hello, Tammy. Hello, Paige. How are you doing today? I'm enjoying this beautiful Monday and you are the first you were the first person, I mean, besides my fiance that I'm speaking to today. And it is really nice. Your energy is really nice. It's just pleasant and delightful and present. And I'm grateful to start my day with you. Same here. Thank you. Of course. Well, um, I want to tell sort of the black and white version of you. Um, You shared your bio with me and you're originally from Clinton, North Carolina. Yes. And how long have you served as the director of the Durham County Library? So I have served as the director here since 2010. So for 13 years. Okay, so 13 years of of cultivating knowledge and connection in the Durham Public Library system. Yes, and actually this is my second time working in Durham. Um, During the time I was in library science school, I also worked here at Parkwood Library, which is now known as our South Regional Library. So in a sense, it's like coming back home. Of course. And 
In addition to serving as the director of the Durham County Library, Tammy is also a member of various library associations throughout North Carolina and the United States. And she's dedicated to helping youth capture a love of reading at an early age. It's her philosophy that we should all work together to make the world a better place. And what better way to start that than through the power of reading for pleasure and for knowledge. How does it feel to hear your bio read back to you? Um, that's a that's a good question. It, I, I don't think about the work that I do. And even in providing a bio, I had to give thought to that. I consider myself as a humble person and that the work is really just for the community. So it's, it's humbling even more to hear it read and hear the impact that I may be having in the community and to hear my focus out loud of connecting people with reading and knowing how important it is for all of us to do our part to make the world a better place. So it sounds like for you, your access point into helping the world feel fuller and brighter is through reading. Has that always been the case for you? Well, I wouldn't say just through reading. Um, a big part for me with feeling like I can make the world a better place is to make sure that I'm centered. And for me, that means through the power and gift of prayer. And it also means through my family and my friends. Um, and I think from there, reading falls into place. And reading is a part of what I do on a daily basis. A lot of that may be reading emails right now in my current job. But reading does connect with that. I can share those stories that I read with my family, with my friends. Um, and I have a tendency to focus on a lot of um, spiritual books that I read also. Oh, what are you reading right now? Well, I'm reading two books. Um, one is Faith Still Moves Mountains. And that is a collection of stories from a reporter that shows um, stories they've done in the field and how miracles have happened from some of those stories that are there. And then the other one is a book that I read repeatedly from time to time. It is The Four Agreements. And then a third one that I read repeatedly is Mark Batterson's The Circle Maker. Those, um, those two books in particular speak to me. You know, I'm writing this down. Um, one, because I'm always on the hunt for books to read. <laughs> I'm always on the hunt for books to read. And I pay special attention when people say that they return to books. Yes. Because there's usually something about those books. It's like, oh, there's multiple layers to this. There's always something that I can receive from this. And I can tell just by speaking to you that you put a lot of intention into how you invest your time and your energy. So if you're returning to, to a book, <laughs> it's probably a good one. It, it is because it, it's good for me because it speaks to me and the purpose that I want to make sure I'm serving in the world. Um, so both of those speak to the power of prayer and connecting with others. So they're just important. They're simple reads, but they really resonate with me. 
It's and I hope if you read them, they'll resonate with you as well. <laughs> it's wonderful that you uh, you mentioned at the power of prayer and as well as uh, the power of connecting with others, because as of the time that we're recording this, the Durham library system is on the tail end of a summer of in-person events. They have ranged from maternity uh, uh, maternity yoga classes <laughs> to uh, uh, ch- a classic children's book reading. And something that I was really excited to talk to you about uh, was how at the very least this summer, um, I'm fairly new to Durham, uh, but at the very least this summer, the public library system has focused very heavily on lifting up the library as a community center beyond um, sort of a resource center, the way that we classically or traditionally think of a library. Like, you know, when I was a kid, you would go and be like, I'm going to go look for this book for a research paper, or my class would go to the library so we could all check out a book and then take it home. And it gets me thinking about how we're moving into a deeper and deeper technological age, yet the essential need for connection and knowledge sharing will be ever present, regardless of how many computers that we have. And uh, I'm curious about how you imagine libraries adapting and growing with us with time? That's a really good question. Um, I'd like to give some context first to how we are today. So, of course, we all know that COVID hit in 2020, and that changed the dynamics of libraries. Many libraries, including including Durham, we closed our doors um, and limited the resources that the community could use. And it was limited here by people picking up holes in the lobby of each building and then using our virtual presence. So people really connected to that virtual presence and still had an opportunity to pick up that traditional book in their hands. They just couldn't come in and roam the library and roam our shelves like they normally normally do. So fast forward to 2021 and we finally open our doors up with some sense of normalcy like we're accustomed to. But we've had to make some adjustments with that. When we first opened, um, social distancing was a real thing. And we are known more as a collaborative space. So we've been growing from that and really now getting back into our in-person programs. We did virtual programs during COVID. And all of that was great, but it's not the same connection as Parents attending that traditional story time, sitting beside one another, their children connecting and and playing. And there's such beauty in children. They do not look at um, where someone's from. They don't look at the color of their skin. They're just making friends instantly and saying, oh, can this kid go home with us? And there are connections that are made in the library, lifelong friendships made through the programs that we have. So when I think about the library in the future, I want all of those things to continue. I want us to be that center for building relationships, 
building that sense of community, that sense of pride. During the recent power outage um, in Durham, which I think caught all of us by surprise, it was a lot worse than I think was forecasted to happen that day. We served as um, cooling sites. We've done that in the past when the temperature's hot, that folks can come in to get out of the the elements and the same for when it's too cool outside. But during this time when so many folks were without power, it just showed how we're all connected and how we all need each other. So at Maine Library, we had 400 plus people in the library at any given hour just connecting because they needed to come here as a resource other than just the book. So that was something that was powerful. And one way I want us to continue to be able to operate is whatever the community needs, that we're able to find a way to provide that service and that resource. We do a good job of that now, but there are some unconventional things that I think we can do in the future with with how we're available for the community. I saw a little twinkle in your eye when you said unconventional things. Is there something in your mind you're thinking about? Um, not, well, a few things, but I think about the different community conversations that can take place around um, race, around um, um, all the active shootings that take place. You know, unfortunately, there was just an active shooting at the campus of UNC Chapel Hill. So, you know, those things are disturbing. And traditional, traditionally, libraries have not played a role in community conversations about those topics. So to me, it's unconventional that we could potentially have a program that helps people know how to cope more with um, these active shootings that are happening anywhere and everywhere, or having these conversations around um, race relations or conversations around making sure that we are all created, not created, my apologies, that we are all treated, (laughs) I can't get my words out there, (laughs) that we are all treated the same manner regardless of um, where we fit into the community, Um, regardless of who is part of the LGBTQ community. We're all here together. I like the idea of the, a library as a, not quite a public health center, but as a space for us to gather as a community to talk about things that impact our community health. Yes. Which is, which is so interesting when because when I think about how I grew up in a library, it was just, this is a quiet place. You walk in and they whisper (laughs) and you get looks from the librarians when you raise your voice or when you run around. And when I walk into libraries now, it feels like there's a hum, like there's more life in a sense. And yes, like our our traditional needs about um, about have sitting in a place and researching information and reading, we'll still need that. And also uh, I recently visited the library for a Mahjong tournament, <laughs> a Mahjong tournament, which on one level, yes, it was, uh, it was nice to play a game with other people that I had never met before and to learn more 
about the people who are in my community. Yes. And also it was my first time playing Mahjong. Uh, and yes, we talked about, we talked about what drew us to the game. And also there are some people who have been Durham residents for 20 years, but they uh, lived in Beijing for a couple of years while they were on sabbatical. And I got to hear so much richness about people's life experiences in the context of this community center. And yes, it can be a space for celebration and exploration. And also it can be a place for us to co-create the kind of community that we want to live in when it does come to public safety, when it does come to identity and in some ways, uh, even history. Yes, you articulated that very well. Thank you for your passion for the library. We often refer to our library locations as the community living room. We have seven library locations here in Durham. And I do like to think of each one as a living room where you come in with your family and you also meet other people and you have those powerful conversations and you have those powerful interactions. Um, you know, of course, there are programs where you're eating. There are programs where you're just discovering new things about the people in attendance. There are programs where you are learning new new knowledge. There is something here for everyone. And it's not all traditional. It's like the games you just shared that you played. Um, when I grew up, we did not have a recording studio in the library. Now at Main Library, there's a recording studio. So teens or anyone of any age can come in and they can express their creativity in that manner. Um, it's just all exciting what we can do at the library and how the community gets to be part of these large meeting rooms, these large um, meeting spaces where we get to serve as that community hub. So we just need fireplaces to really make it that big. <laughs> but I like to think that we give off warmth in our in our customer service and in our interactions and and how we care for, for one another as a staff and as the community. I have a logistics question. Uh, uh, you've mentioned quite a few uh, unconventional uh, resources or programming at uh, throughout the Durham library system. How do these programs come to life? Like, where's the seed? Where's the first step before it becomes a real tangible experience people can enjoy? That is a really great question. And if I'm not mistaken, our annual report that is being prepared now, it's going to show the many steps of how a program takes place. Um, I believe that is the topic that the marketing unit landed on for that. So the community is going to get to see that laid out um, over the next few months when the annual report comes comes to play. But um, just to answer that for the audience here today, it's really generated from the creativity and the ideas that staff have. Staff do a great job listening to the community members, what they'd like to see in the library, what kind of programs interest them. And then they do their own research of programs that may be a benefit to the community that 
maybe the community hasn't thought about. And they create these programs and they invite speakers in and they provide the programs themselves as well, because there's talent here on the staff of providing those programs. So they do all the the legwork, all the research to make each program a success. And um, they just execute that program to the community and they receive feedback from the programs, what worked, what didn't work because we're always striving to do better and to make sure that we are not just meeting the needs of the community, but really trying to exceed the needs of the community. I like this idea of, uh, in the book that I'm reading right now, uh, the section I'm on is talking about reciprocity and energetic reciprocity and how uh, energy flows most consistently and most fully when there's sort of a feedback loop and you're and you're operating off of abundance. And I really like that the programming that comes out of the library is a direct feedback loop from the people who are using the resources and are connecting with staff and are going out into the world and then coming back in. Like that makes so much sense. Yes. Yes, we love to use the the creativity from staff and listen to the community. There are program ideas that, you know, we may not have thought of without the community saying, hey, have you considered this? So it's great to to listen in that manner. I know you were really active this summer at the events that were going on in the library. What is uh, What is one of the favorite events that you attended this summer? Oh, I can't list a favorite. Um, they are they are all favorites. That's like saying who's your favorite child, right? Or who's your favorite sibling? All the programs, because they're so unique, they just bring something different each time I've attended one. I get something different. I meet someone, someone new. Um, of course, programs with our younger children, that to me is a different level of excitement because I know those are our users of tomorrow as well as they're growing up. So I can't necessarily say favorite, but I I definitely enjoy the children's programs and just seeing their little faces light up when they discover something new or they get excited about a song or a puppet show or storytelling, whatever activity that's going on, that their little face just lights up, that they're seeing something potentially for the first time, and they get to witness that here at the library. And our conversation today, it's really, I mean, I think I knew this on some level, but it's really striking me how community-centered your approach to this work is, which one I want to point out because that is actually a very unique perspective. and I cherish it. Thank you. Yeah, I, I I really do cherish like an intentional ecosystem built around how can my unique gifts and skills benefit the world around and within me simultaneously. And I'm curious about your journey coming to this place. Wow. My journey coming to Durham County Library, 
or just my journey in general with this this type of work? I want to make sure I'm clearly understanding your question. Yes, good. I would like to know more about how you've come to structure your approach to living in this way of how can I bring my specific gifts and skills to the world around me and use that to fortify my community. Like it seems like you've mentioned it in the context of the library, but you also mentioned some of the books that you're reading. Uh, and you've also talked about the importance of community abstractly. And I get the feeling that this is a mindset that you carry with your family, probably, uh, probably with your friends. And I'm curious about how has community always been sort of the gathering ecosystem for you? Um, it has. And, and it's an interesting question you, you've asked because I've never thought about my body of work in the way that you're describing it there. But it, it really fits to how I operate within my family structure. And I think that has carried over to work. Have a very close-knit family grew up valuing each other, being able to express ourselves freely, being able to be creative, um, to speak up, to have a voice, making sure that those morals and values of treating everyone with respect and dignity are there. And it is nice to think that that is what I'm carrying over into the work that I do every day with the community. Every person in this community deserves the gift of using their library because it truly is the community's library. Um, and it doesn't matter what walk of life you come from. It doesn't matter what your job is or if you're unemployed. Um, nothing matters except we are here for everyone and everyone needs to have an opportunity for their voice to be heard. And not for it to be the loudest voice, but for even that quietest voice to be heard at the library with what we provide to the community and how that creativity can can come out. Um, you know, I've I've witnessed over my career children that have struggled with reading come to the library, um, receive tutoring or receive, um, you know, the benefits of being at a story time and fall in love with books and grow to learn to read just because one, they've got that love, love of books there. So all of that is just connected to me. How do we tap into each person for what they need, what makes them unique um, and help their, their dreams and goals become a reality. I think libraries are such a magical place. <laughs> and I think it's because I had such positive, I had such positive interactions with the library system growing up. And I've been reading in the news that a lot of public libraries uh, across the country are being transitioned into other, uh, what would you call it? Just into like other focuses, like they're being detransitioned out of being a library and into sort of a, like a detention center in some cases or into more classroom space or into storage. It's different in different areas and in different systems, but 
why do you think that there's been this sort of devaluing of the impact or the importance of libraries lately? And I'll be honest, I haven't heard the story similar to what you're describing. Um, I am connected with library directors across North Carolina and across the country. I'm a member of um, ULC, which is Urban Libraries Council, and we have regular meetings set up also through another organization called OCLC. And with that, I'm connecting with directors from Texas, from Hawaii, um, on the West Coast, all over. There's about 15 of us that are meeting on a regular basis. And while there are changes that are coming to libraries, it's not seen as detention centers or being devalued, not from what I'm, I'm reading or my perception. Oh, I want to clarify what I mean by detention okay. centers. By detention, I mean, uh, I mean, uh, like when you go to detention as a student. Okay. Like after school detention, like you're staying and you're doing your homework. Okay. Not okay. as in uh, like immigration detention centers. That's a very good clarification point. Okay. Thank you for clarifying mm -hmm. that. Um, I do think, know, knowing that information, how you're describing it, we are serving as hubs for um, homework help. And I think that's happening across the board at libraries, um, probably some libraries more than others, based on the resources that they have. But I think there's a real need for that. And that's one of the magical things about libraries. You mentioned that libraries are magical. We are magical in the sense of um, bringing our, our resources together and having children here to do homework and get assistance with tutoring but to do so in a fun way that it doesn't feel like, oh, I'm being punished. Now after school, I have to go do X, Y, and Z. Um, we make it an environment where they're getting um, the learning that they need, but there's also that fun aspect to it. There's commonly during the summer, people will hear about the summer slide. If you don't read during the summer, summer how you'll be months behind in your grade when you start school. Well, that COVID slide is real too. So it's really been libraries answering a call to offer resources such as homework assistance or, or tutoring and to promote our different online resources for that. We have a resource here known as BrainFuse and not as many people use that resource as they should, but that is online tutoring support um, for children that is free. Um, and that goes up to 12th grade for that. And there's also resources on there to help older children or college students or adults with resume writing. Um, how to do interviews. It's a lot that's packaged into that one electronic resource known as, as BrainFuse. So I do think that libraries are changing in the sense of providing things like homework help more, but I think it's something we want to do. Mm -hmm. The vision here at Durham County Library is about inspiring lives and transforming Durham. And I think a lot of that starts with our children. And if they can be successful in school, 
that also helps as an indicator that they can be successful further in life. If you haven't convinced someone to go check out their local library by listening to this podcast, I don't know what else. <laughs> I don't know what else they're doing. Uh, it's been lovely uh, listening to you talk about how uh, how the diverse needs of different areas around the country also can sort of trigger diverse programming and diverse resources being developed within these local spaces. Like it sounds like libraries really are an opportunity for localized community support and change. Yes, you are absolutely correct. We, um, you articulated that so well. I don't know what I can add to that. Um, beyond, I do consider ourselves as a change agent for the community. And maybe that's one person at a time as we come in and we have that that impact. We did a quick video just to kind of capture during um, the power outages in the community to see um, how people were using the library. And one person mentioned she didn't have power and she needed to finish the work for a job that she was accepting. Um, so, you know, that sounds small scale, but what potentially could have happened if she didn't follow through with that? Would they think she's, you know, just not really the right candidate? Would they have just gone on to the next next person? So we are we are change agents and I've seen people change by using the library and of course change for the better. Well Tammy, uh I have a final question for you. And uh, that is, uh, could you share one practice that's helping you, Tammy Baggett Best, discover who you are? Yes. And I will say it's hard to say just one, but I think it's, I think it's wrapped up um, into multiple things. It's making sure that I am present in the moment, you know, you hear that expression of take time to smell the roses, making sure that I am really present, being able to appreciate the small things that are happening in life, the small things that we probably often take, take for granted. So in being present, I use meditation. And I use prayer for that. So it's not just one, it's that couple together. Um, and then adding to that is just real conversations with my family and being appreciative of having that close-knit family, that we are there for each other and we can lean on each other. So that wasn't one thing. So I guess it's a matter of it's the meditation the prayer and those family connections that I have that help me just kind of try to live out my purpose and to be present. Because if I'm present for myself, then I can be present for others. I really appreciate that your personal knowing practice is also rooted in community that just rounds out, <laughs> that rounds out this conversation so beautifully. Thank you so much. Tammy, 
Thank you, Paige. This has been a great opportunity to speak with you today. I appreciate that. Um, could you share? Uh, could you share where folks can learn more about the Durham Public Library and its programming and resources that you're offering today? Yes, um, customers can um, go to our website at DurhamCountyLibrary.org and learn more. And I hope all those listening will come to one of the library locations and find something that can be life-changing for them. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Not Yet. The podcast is hosted by me, Paige Polk, and produced by Paige Polk International. The show art is made by Elizabeth Olguin, and the music is by Elder. Don't forget to subscribe here. And if you want more of this love in your life, visit notyetseries.com to join the Not Yet Project and community.